Good evening, Patriots. And it is Friday, January 6th. I'm still on the West Coast. On the East Coast, you just crossed over into Saturday. A very a day that we're going to have to remember and make a very sacred day for the sacrifices that have been made and for the prisoners that are still being held against their will. And this is also the hour that the clown show continues in D.C. as they continue with the vote for McCarthy, inching it closer by the second to getting him nominated, which he will be nominated, I believe. But there seems to be a pretty heavy cost that he's going to have to bear, which is all fine with me. Patriots, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And with that, you're going to want to use the best products on the market, and those products are always MyPillow.com. I literally have every... I have. My bed's set up with these. I, I, they're, they're the best sheets, the best pillows, the best mattresses around. And I say that with true honesty. I've been using my pillow products for almost two years, and it's just, they're amazing. And when you're in this time of our life, when there's so much pressure and stress on things, the one thing you don't want to be remiss at is getting good, a good night's sleep. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code, as always, is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You will not be disappointed. Matter of fact, you'll be so happy. And as Trump would say, right, it's so beautiful. <laughs> anyway, head over head over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards and get some of the best pillow and sleep products currently on the market. Well, I'm just going to just kind of ramble a bit tonight. There's nothing really straight agenda. Um, I'm doing a lot of reflection over the last couple of days on really the state of the union and where we are as a nation. And one thing I wanted to start with tonight is this clown show that's going on in D.C., but it's really not so much a clown show. When we really get into what is happening, and I'm, I have to give a lot of credit to whether this is orchestrated. I said this, I think, yesterday whether this is a kabuki theater or whether this is actually real-life drama, what we are seeing is that they are demonstrating to the world the way the republic is supposed to work and how Congress is supposed to work. As Americans, we become very complacent and accustomed to having things done right away. So when McCarthy comes up, for example, to get the votes, people are like, okay, he's going to get the votes. You go one round, you go two rounds, you go three rounds. And now people begin with this next level. And it, it's been all over the web. It's like, what's wrong with these people? What's wrong? What, what, why can't they get along? It's not about getting along. And I think this is the big lesson here. 20 people have held their line. They're down to a few. But 20 people, more or less, have held the line, a hard line, because they knew what was right. And they, held, they have held that line to ensure that what is right is what will be delivered. And it's not easy. Now, I think there's, I do think there's a bit of theater going on in this because they're in the 15th round. It looks like it's going to be the same vote. McCarthy's going to probably be at 216 is what we guess. Again, he needs 217. But this is so far what some of the things that have been wagered and, and agreed to by McCarthy. And I think this is a very important lesson again because none of this would have been accomplished had there not been a process to get there. We often assume victory to be very quick. And they, and I use this even in our faith. People will accept Christ. 
they, they're reborn in Jesus, and then it's like, I am good, 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 good. And now I'm not going to have to worry about anything. I'll see you in heaven. And we know that that's not true. You know, and then it's, and then you get the commitments. Like, I'm going to church once a Sunday. Man, I'm telling you, every Sunday I go to church or every Saturday I go to church, and I'm good, and I've got Jesus, and that's it, and that's all I need to worry about. And that's not it. And so when we encounter motions, Americans have become very reticent to wanting to engage in that intense debate, that negotiation that leads to great things. And it's a great lesson because if we're going to be holding the line with our beliefs and our faith, we're going to have to get accustomed to multiple rounds of negotiation where we're not going to give in on certain things regardless. And that's really what's witnessing as a demonstration of what's happening here up in Congress today. So here's some of the things that were gained in this so far with McCarthy. One is the Jeffersonian motion. There is a Jeffersonian motion for the Jeffersonian rules to vacate the chair. That's what they call it. Jeffersonian motion to vacate the chair, meaning the, the Speaker of the House. This allows a single person to make the motion to remove the Speaker if he goes back on his word or policy agenda. An important framing right there. So he's, he's, they're holding him to his word which is a moral issue as much as anything. And we know that in we get into politicians, there is no such thing as their word. They just, they just barf out whatever sounds good at the moment, and then they do whatever they want to do behind. So they're holding, this first concession is they're holding McCarthy accountable. The second, I mean, and I've said this many times, that we are not going to, resolve this country until we get back to accountability and it's accountability in our lives and it's accountability before God. A church style committee, this allows us to look into the weaponization of the organizations like the FBI against the American people. DOJ was also listed in that in that in another post. So they are going to, the idea is to, to establish that. And then they are also pushing, I guess, right at this moment to get certain people put on certain committees. And what this again is doing, and I'm going to continue with these, but this other point, I just because I just got it a minute, a minute ago. The way politics will work is they'll agree to a lot of these things and then they'll put their people on the committees so that their people, meaning the, the people that the lobbyists want and the corporations want so that nothing gets done. Or worse, the, the worst type of agendas gets done. So part of this Cruz fight right now with under Gates, I say Gates, Matt Gates. Some people say Matt Gates. I guess it's Gates. Anyway, Matt Gates' effort effort is to ensure that they are have a security in their motion forward to pursue the right thing in what they're calling draining the swamp. Do I believe it's all going to happen? No. But do I think it's a necessary move? Absolutely, because it's the right direction for a nation to slowly start moving that meter back to a moral center. So another one is the term limit vote. So they're going to vote on term limits for the House, which is and probably for the Senate as well, which is really powerful. Single subject bills. This is a huge one. They can't be loaded with irrelevant nonsense like congressmen getting $2.5 million for their personal security and $15 million for their campaign buried inside of an omnibus bill of $1.7 trillion. Insanity. 
the one thing you notice, um, I'll get to that in a second. Um, singles, we did that one, Texas border plan. So they want to fund the Texas, either fund a plan that already exists or develop one for Texas. My guess is it already exists because it's a capital T, capital B on border and capital P for plan. A budget that stops an increase in the debt ceiling and holds Senate accountable. In other words, no more printing funny money until the end of time. We're so far over into debt anyway, they're going to have to do a bankruptcy to figure it out. Ending emergency funding and all COVID mandates for funding, mandates and funding, that is going to be a shocker for many people. Because many people right now have become very dependent on the free money from the government, which is just a, that was just a soft knock way of getting a UBI. And it's really what, there was a backdoor way to try to socialize the entire nation. So by ending that, that'll be a good thing. And then this one is 72 hours to read a bill. Currently, as you know, they, as they did that omnibus bill, they just ramrodded that thing through. And nobody read it. We all know that. Nobody read it. And so with that, this would require that they had to allow them to read it, which would be, as I see it, a good thing. Our government is, in order for our government to work, people have to be participant in this. And that's no different than anything else. In order for a church to be strong. And I I want to make these parallels because I think it's really important. I am hard on pulpits. I am hard on the teachings in the church. You know that. I'm also try to highlight the the churches when I encounter them that I, in my opinion, are really just out there doing great work. But here's what we don't talk enough about. And it's the responsibility of the congregation in the church, just like we have a responsibility in our government. And so we go along with this thing. It's like, oh yeah, my church is, you know, my church is this, my church is that. They're not teaching this or my, my pastor. Well, who controls that? I mean, by definition, a church, most churches these days are a 501c3. I don't agree with that, but here's the other side of it. A 501c3 has to have a board and that board is going to have influence on the future of that pastor. That's just the way it is. The board can remove the pastor. The question is, where's the accountability in the church? Where's the congregation being involved and holding a pulpit accountable as much as God is holding us accountable? I think this is an important point because we get we become very accustomed to passing the buck. And that unfortunately has become a major theme in our in our modern day of it's somebody else's fault. I want to read you this is a some covid stuff, but I find this very interesting and I and I'm just going to read through it and then I'll add my commentary. This comes from a person by the name of Alex Newman. And it said today we cross-checked Pfizer injections my beloved late dad got with VAERS data. This post was done on 5 January, just so we're concurrent on where we are. Heart literally stopped beating less than two days after taking it. Turns out he was far from alone. Hundreds of deaths and thousands of severe adverse reactions reported to CDC or CDC.gov. 
We need justice with a big exclamation point. Then he says, to be clear, deaths and reactions above are just those reported for batches and dad received. He gives a number EN6208 and EL9269. Grand jury in Florida exploring fraud needs to start to needs to start separate investigation for mass murder or at least negligent homicide. Happy to testify. And then he adds over here, it says, what date, someone asks, what date did he get the jab? I'm wondering if anyone is tracking timing of jabs and adverse reactions. And this same, this uh, person wrote, um, February 8th, 2001 was the date he took the one that stopped his heart less than 48 hours later. Massive devastation reported to the federal government, and yet not only did they not stop this, they conspired with Twitter at all to silence anyone who spoke out. This is beyond criminal. Now, obviously, Alex Newman, whoever he is, is newly awakened. And he has now come to a realization that he was rooked and led astray. But you will notice that in there, all of the pointers were towards someone else other than he and his father's responsibility. Now, this is, this is the hard check of reality that every person in this nation is ultimately going to have to face if we are really going to restore this nation. So there's no question that Pfizer is, is accountable towards this. There's no question that Bears data had it. But we all know that Bears data was open source. It was available for anybody to see. Pfizer, we know, is criminal. With that Heck, we knew they were criminal the minute they came out with the vax and said they were going to change your immune system. That should have been a red flag, but besides that. Okay, so now he's calling for, he's seeing an investigation into a mass murder and, and at least negligent homicide. I'm not disagreeing with those. It's probably crimes against humanity. But then he goes on to blame Twitter because they conspired, the federal government conspired with Twitter, and this is beyond criminal. Got it. <clears throat> But here's the deal. No one forced anybody to take it. And we know this. This is not a new narrative. But in order for us to be honest in pursuing justice, we have to take our piece of accountability that's with it. Justice at God's level doesn't go, you are all wrong and you get a pass. Someone did not walk in and tackle Alex Newman's father and forced him to take this jab. His dad took that jab by his own free will. And Alex Newman, if he took it or if he was in with his dad when he did take it or if he was in communication with his dad, the question everybody should ask is, did you try to inform your father? From what it's sounding like, he did not. So I'm saying all this because this is a measure of accountability reflective of where a nation sits. As a nation, we're living in a time of no accountability. And that's exactly the problem. Congress runs amok. They do whatever they want to do, and there's no accountability. Kevin McCarthy tonight is, is literally, he just lost his patience a little bit ago and got into a screaming match with, with Getz. One other congressman tried to take a swing at Getz or something. Tensions are high. That's okay. I don't know if you know this, but in our old, back in the 1800s, they would, people would even do duels. They get so mad they call each other up for a duel. That's that was the good old days. 
today we're supposed to be completely civil and not say anything loud or whatever. No, we need to get back to a little more raucous way of doing things. But my point of this is there is accountability. Kevin McCarthy is being held accountable right now for his despicable behavior that has got him to where he is. And though they can't stop the majority vote for him or against him, they are they are holding the line until they get everything they want and hold him accountable and hold his feet to the fire as much as they can. That's a big step. That's the way a solid negotiation works. That's what happens when we walk with accountability. You know, it's the idea of always that the first offer is always your worst offer, so don't take it in a negotiation. Well, that's where they are right now. They're, they're requiring McCarthy to come back to the table and to make another concession, whatever that is. And they're making him concede to get to the place where he needs to be. And it's not unreasonable concessions. But this is about accountability and it's showing a nation again what it is to make people accountable. Someone says, oh, yeah, 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 I'll do that. That's not a, we can't do that anymore. So when we flip this on, the, on its head a bit and we go to this whole thing with COVID, this is going to be a brutal, brutal moment for this nation. Because the first step, these first three steps that I've talked about in loss, which is denial, anger, and bargaining, and all of this kind of in this, this, uh, this post I just read you, Alex Newman has got all three of them in there. There's an evidence that he was in denial because of his reaction. There's evidence that he, he definitely has anger because he's calling out for criminal murder charges. And there's this sense of bargaining that he's trying to point the finger at everyone else except himself. When we finally get to the place as a nation where people start to realize that they were accountable and participant in this crime, then you're hitting stage four. It's called depression. Because people, many people, will not be able to face the dark reality that they themselves were never forced. They were just required to do something that they were very uncomfortable with. I've been listening to these similar type of narratives going on within the NFL right now. And there was some press conferences today from the NFL, a couple of players talking about, you know, this thing that they need to be more transparent, that they're not anti-vax or pro-vax. They just, people need to be well-informed, blah, blah, blah. But here's what's missing in that entire discussion, because they're talking about how the NFL's pressuring them and they're not allowed to get what they want and, and, and or get the information they need. And because of that, the dreams that they've been building for all, all the times of their lives are being denied because if they don't get vaxxed, then they're not being accepted into the pipeline. Okay. Except that, like all things, God always offers a choice. And what they're not looking at is, hey, y'all, you're just high-paid slaves. That's it. When the NFL buys you, you're a slave. And the money they give you, rather than living in some little shack, they're giving you a nice palace to live in with some nice cars and extra cash to buy cool clothes. But you're still a slave. A slave, a slave, a slave. And they don't want to look at that. That's that personal piece of accountability. And it's what's going to be required if we're going to have any future hope in this nation for us to get down to the grittiness of this and realize that there is no possible way that we're going to restore this nation until we get to accountability. So it's a very difficult time, I think, for 
many in this nation because we're talking two ends to this. And the two ends really are about ultimately restoring a nation with God on the throne. And I don't think we've ever considered the demands of heaven deeply. I, I shouldn't say we've never considered. It's not fair. It's really not fair. But I think that in in true aspect of how we have to be, we must start realizing the demands of heaven. We we've got to we've become very complacent as a country and complacent as followers of Christ. And we say, oh, I can I can repent. Yeah, what the heck, you know? Shoot. Yeah, I went over and I did some porn surfing. I'm just going to repent. Yeah, what the heck, man? I went over to the strip club and had a lap dance. Yeah, I can repent. Whatever. I went to the bar. I got with my girlfriends and we did some crazy stuff and went dancing with other men and had some drinks. And you know, I'm not going to tell my husband about it, but I can repent. Mm-hmm. It That's unfortunately become a crutch. And it should be a pretty significant issue when we come to repent. Not just, okay, Father, hey, I'm sorry, I did this again. Um, Got to did this again. Got to do this. Sorry. We have to hold ourselves accountable. And we have to start living in a Christ walk of things. And that doesn't give us the excuse not if we're going to be striving for that level of perfection within Christ. And I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this hard these days because there really is a, a place that we need to be. And look, this isn't to say that those that sit in the pew, that accept Christ, that go every Sunday, I am not telling you like, whoops, they're not going to heaven. Okay, but I think it's the question of where do you want to be in your life? And so I'll give you my place on this because I mentioned it the other night and I'm, I'm looking around this nation and we are really become a very average, very lukewarm, very mediocre nation. We've accepted halfway as okay on so many things. And I think a lot of that is because so much of the work that we do these days has zero meaning or purpose. You're going to build an app to save the world, but that app's going to get updated in three to six months after you make it and maybe deleted after a year if it doesn't perform well and all your work goes into invisible space garbage, right? So let's compare that to something like cattle. The guy that runs cattle with me today or these days is contacted me and he's he can't get up to the... the property for a few days. That's just fine. But what had happened is he had two pit bulls, my most detested breed in the world, by the way. If I, if you didn't know that, I am, I so I said this once before. I said, what I'm going to say, I said once before and somebody got so mad they left the channel. I'm like, whatever, don't care. I can't stand pit bulls. Can't stand them. And I would literally make them an illegal breed if I was president. Because the breed itself is so completely trashed up with its inbreeding, its breeding for fighting. They're just, they're an unpredictable breed. And it just so happened that a dude that lived near the property, he's leasing a big chunk of property down running lambs right now and ewes. That 
Oh, by the way, McCarthy was just elected U.S. House Speaker after 15 rounds of voting. Okay. So, that said, um, there is a, a family nearby that had pit bulls, two of them. The husband's currently in jail. That seems to always go hand in hand. And the pit bulls got out, were let out, weren't controlled. They went onto the property. They killed four of his ewes and injured 13 lambs. Now, this is actually what follows here is a measure of accountability that um, that is really interesting in this county because I've encountered this a couple times now. This county still values agriculture and holds homeowners very much accountable. So he filed a report with the sheriff's department. The sheriff's department did a very efficient and very quick investigation and issued a $4,000 fine to the family and now that family is going to face upwards of fifteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars of compensation for the damage that was done. So this is that's in part accountability. But here's the next level of that. Accountability, you could just leave it like that. But the guy that runs that runs these, he is now sp- taking extra time. He has to go down and tend to his flock. He's got to make sure that those 13 heal right. And he's, and he's spending now his days there to make sure that he nurtures them back and brings them back to good health. Our responsibility as we're walking in with, this, with our place in Christ is profound. It's not just a, a drop-and-go idea. We have to be able to demonstrate our love and our walk in a real terms we have to hold ourselves higher in accountability. This is me talking. So I guess I should preface with my opinion, how I see my walk. But we have to, in my opinion, there is no other way we're going to lead. And every person out here that's truly pursuing that place with Christ to disciple, to bring the word into the world, you have to step up and lead into a higher level. I know enough of the people, especially in our mod group, I've come to know our mods well. And when I they are a reflection of all of what's in this community. And it's interesting because when I look at other communities, I see a much higher level of a, a pursuit of accountability within our group than any other. And I mean that sincerely. I would take I would honestly take Bard's Nation over most churches that I've ever encountered and most congregations that I've ever encountered because the pursuit has been so, the pursuit of Christ is honest and the need to be accountable to walk that has been very real. So as a nation, we've deviated from that whole idea. As a gen, and I'm talking in generalities, obviously, but as a nation, and I think it's pretty obvious, we can't find God in schools. We're not going to find God in government. We're not finding God really anywhere. Because we sat on the side while they took it out. And where we really need to return to is that place where there is a very strong sense of what the purpose and accountability is in walking with Jesus. And there's certain areas, just like we've witnessed tonight in this whole debate 
and a whole show up there that they, we've, what we've witnessed tonight is there are things that are not they are not going to compromise on. They're going to hold that line until they get what they need, even if it means causing extra damage or even losing an opportunity. See, this is the carrot that was thrown in front of all of them. The carrot was that it, and it was being pressured by all sides. They were going under, these 20 were going under intense pressure, basically saying, well, if you don't do it, McCarthy at one point threatened to have a forever war. McCarthy threatened to get votes from the Democrats. And then the list goes on. He threatened to, the families were threatened. Personal reputations were threatened. Their position on committees was threatened. All of this came out of McCarthy. He's a dirtbag, let's face it. And the people around him are dirtbags. They're despicable. But 20 people held the line and boxed him in. And he still may try some of this, but he's got 20 people now that can call for his removal at any one time. Anybody can, but those 20 will if he violates what he's promised. What they just did is they forced accountability on a person who's not had accountability, at least in recent times in his career. His accountability has always been to lobbyists and to the military-industrial complex. And so we see in the 14th round, at the end of the 14th round, McCarthy loses his composure, gets angry, yells at Matt Gates. You know you've won at that point when that happens. Because that person has had to be squeezed into a place that they're absolutely kicking and screaming, screaming to go into, which is standing in the room of accountability, being exposed to the people, and ultimately being shredded before God to have to ex- be real for who you are. Accountability also means that there's a cost. It doesn't come free. Our accountability before God is real. It has to happen. And as we are accountable to God, we have to face ourselves and admit our own sins. And that means by design that we're going to have to modify or change behaviors. Accountability is harsh. And it's the one thing that this entire generation, this entire nation right now, is in one way or another trying to sidestep. And trust me, the center point to all this, politics is the show to watch and to learn from. The ultimate acts of accountability is falling with COVID. Because the race to COVID is going to be to blame everybody else. And this is one thing I'm committing to, I've committed to here before, but I will not let that go that easily. For me, This nation, each person has to own a portion of this accountability because it's part of growing and growing closer into Father. You can't throw stones and say, they did it to me because no one did. Well, I shouldn't say no one. There's probably a few instances where somebody did. But they are so minute. The majority of the time, people made the choice for themselves to accept the death shot. And once they discover what's in it and what it's done to them, they are going to want to blame someone else because to look in the mirror, which is what we're demanded to do, to face who we are, to repent for what we did, that takes an amazing amount of courage and relationship in the body of Christ. 
And the good news is that this country has a whole bunch of people that have had to do that over and over throughout this entire nightmare of COVID and the insidious fascists that evolved out of everywhere from inside our families to on the streets to the Karens on in the parking lot. This country lost its collective mind while a few held the line and kept a reasonable view on what was really going on to try to preserve the perspective of liberty and still hold to the values of accountability. And that's what will bring this country back in the end. To reset the moral compass so that we live with accountability, to no longer accept the excuses, but instead face consequences or live with the benefits of being true. So, to kind of wrap back to where we started, which was this whole McCarthy vote. I don't see this. I'm, I'm not anywhere disturbed by this vote, and I don't really follow much of this, but it's really, to me, almost a refreshing experience that happened today. Had they voted McCarthy in after two or three votes, I'd be rolling my eyes and go, here we go. But they drug this out for about three days and 15 rounds of voting. They have forced somebody to comply to a framework of accountability. Will it be perfect? Absolutely not. It's a human model. But have they set up as best they can the list of things that will ensure a measure of accountability to propel this motion forward? Absolutely. And with this, it's actually quite Christian what they've done because they know he's imperfect. And yet they have held him to a higher standard. And ultimately, he's going to be accountable to God. So this is the way a nation works. This is the way we have learned to work together. There's a lot of imperfections. There's a lot of personalities that don't work. There are people that walk a very high moral line. There are other people that are struggling. But as we come together and we work together, and we listen to one another. And sometimes that listening is pretty intense. It's hard line. It's not personal. Because accountability isn't personal. It's truth-based. It's anchored in our relationship in Christ. It's moral law-based, which is Father's law. And as we hold that place and hold it well, We steer a nation, we steer a generation, we steer our communities, we steer the people around us. There has to be a hard moral line that we do not cross. And today we witnessed a small group of people that did that for the world to witness. So no, we didn't get Trump in as, I'm not sure that was even a good idea, but anyway, for those who were hoping for that, You didn't get Trump in as speaker. You didn't get Jim Jordan in as speaker, which would have been a really bad idea because then he couldn't follow, do, pursue an investigation. He would have been taken out of play. You didn't get Matt Getz in as speaker. He didn't want it anyway. You got somebody who was already wanting it. That's okay. They knew he wanted it, and he was willing to, to compromise 
because he was so eager to get it, he had to compromise on a package of deals that would ensure at least a modicum of accountability. And with that, now the door is open for Father to work on his heart and for us to pray. So, Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight, and it's a very interesting night as we've just kind of reflected on a lot of different moving parts in our world. Ultimately, at the center of all of this is accountability. We've literally covered some ground tonight, from sheep to congressmen to pit bulls (laughs) to working in our neighborhoods and carrying that mantle of Christ. At the end of the day, Father, it's just the resonating voice a reminder that we, each of us, have a responsibility in this world, no matter where our station is, to be real about what we do, to be truthful about our actions, to walk honestly and truthfully and walk within the framework of the word as we do, to bring that beauty, that glory, and that righteousness of Jesus into the into our world, and to be the living example of what that looks like, not just words. Sadly, we've worked in spaces where too much in, in our, our jobs and our industries where what we do has no substantive meaning. But as that discussion tonight with the lambs that were destroyed, the substantive results of of this and the accountability to the damages that now the person who's running those lambs has to take care of them every single day. It's a very real issue and to failure to do so means a death of an actual creature. There's true consequence. And so father, we pray tonight for accountability and consequence, the awakening of consequence and the revival of the fires of our accountability in our lives. A place where we start to, as a nation, wake up to this. To realize that if we do something here, there is going to be an effect on somebody somewhere else. This obviously runs counter to the entire principle of this Luciferian times. This despicable Luciferian theology of do as thou will must be cast aside. And we, as those walking in the body of Christ, literally on the point of the spear in this fight, hard in the trenches every day, we pray that we will carry this mantle, each and every one of us, boldly and powerfully, to restore it, to to insist on and to hold the line on accountability and consequence. We know that in our heart. That means we have to also walk as the example, not just talk, We have to live what we speak. The power of words have the power of life and death. And we need to bring and manifest that into the world. So, Father, this is just a conversation tonight that we've had. One that we're just blessed that you shared with us. One that we're blessed that you've been present with us. And as our prayers reflect, it's just something that we pray now that can settle in on people's hearts. All to have a greater appreciation for what it is to walk in a moral space, to be accountable, to understand the consequences, and to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Because as we do, we bring so many up. So we say these things with grace and with love, 
and and a, and just so much humbleness before you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to close with just a brief story. I was very blessed when I learned photography. I had done photography for most of my life. And I've told some of this story before. So for those of you who had heard it and you're rolling your eyes going, oh, my goodness, here he goes again. That's okay. You'll still like it. Trust me. Um, I had done photography for a lot of my, most of my life. And I was just doing photography as an amateur. And I was doing photography of things. And I had a pretty good eye for what I thought was a good shot. But I was very blessed when I met an individual who was a combat photographer and a Pulitzer Prize winner. Matter of fact, he was a two-time Pulitzer Prize recipient. And he mentored me into photography that after about 18 months of mentorship led to me getting an Emmy and being nominated for a Peabody. Now, he didn't do that. I did that. And his mentorship wasn't like hands-on. It was actually by distance. And what it was was always framing the idea of the challenge that we had. Within this process, there were many lessons that came out. But ultimately, it came down to this. Every single shot that you take, you are accountable for. That means you are accountable to the truth and accuracy of the shot. That you cannot influence the shot. You're accountable to the story you put together. And you have to have a framework in your mind of achieving greatness. So part of that is we don't, you have to know what greatness looks like. So I had the opportunity when I, I ended up, I think in some, I spent just basically over 18 months or so, which was mainly, most of that time was in Afghanistan. I've ended up spending probably um, two weeks with him physically. And what I was, but there was a lot of sharing on email. What he was, what I was shown was what greatness looks like. What does greatness look like to you as you walk with Jesus? That's a question I want to leave you with tonight. Because if someone talks to me about photography, I can talk to you all night about what greatness is in photography. But in simple terms, when you take a great picture of a, and a photojournalist, a photo documentation of a moment or a documentary film, you need to create in a still image a moment that is so visceral and so real, you feel like you can walk into it and be part of people. That this picture it tells itself tells a complete story. And the caption just adds a depth to it. And if there's a story that goes with it, it adds more flavor, and more intricacies to it. But the picture itself is king. It speaks the entire narrative. And if you understand it and you study it and you look at it, you can start to see it all come to life. That's, in essence, a great picture because you're capturing something in a moment that's greater than you and greater than the subject. You've captured an experience in film. So what does greatness look like to you in walking with Jesus? Is greatness, because I will tell you, we, we can't comprehend the magnitude of Father God. And I would dare say we can even comprehend the magnitude of the greatness of Jesus. But somewhere along the way, we have to be having a standard of what we're moving to, 
rather than the punitive aspect and the negative aspect of I'm not worthy or I'm repenting, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And the only way we're going to get there, and probably the biggest definition that I would put there, is to develop the personal, intimate, living relationship with the living God. Because in those conversations and in those active prayers, to hear God's voice, to have the conversations with God, we realize how incredibly vast and massive everything that he represents is, how small we are, and yet how all of it we're part of. And when we place that in context of what we're trying to achieve each day, it is truly greatness to realize that there are no limits. There's no glass ceiling. There's nothing. Anything that we achieve through him is achievable or seek through him is achievable. And there's no limits on what we can do. But that means that everything we do has to be in the pursuit of the greatness and the perfection of him. So I'll leave you with that to think about, to say, take to prayer is we have to understand in each of our minds what it is in the greatness of what we're trying to achieve. And hopefully that greatness isn't just, I'm going to pray on Sunday and call it good, because that's so cut short the magnitude and glory of the gift we've been given. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us, and God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you Sunday night for Peace Be Still. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I wanna feel something. I just wanna breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I wanna feel something. Let me get back in my body.